109 Ocean Avenue with Jack and... Jamie! Uh, this week's episode is a, probably going to be another mini episode on the Black Monk of Pontefract. And uh, again, I don't know the monk thing, but what this definitely is, is a very uh, spook- spooky a case of a poltergeist. It's very, very fun. It is very fun. He he is like this is my favorite poltergeist. I've I think this is so yeah. far, and I haven't done many, but this is probably one of great. This is probably one of my favorite things. We like how of just just fun the whole way through because the thing is, it's like a case with zero stakes. Yeah, like because normally there's either someone definitely like it's with the amateur, and we'll, and we'll eventually obviously get to our, the namesakes eventually down the load, but that's. For me, straight up, that's just a fake. It's just fake. There was a real murder. Straight fake ghost haunting. This story, though, is so, just like, so corroborated. There is, yeah, there's so much evidence with all this. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. The poltergeist himself. I, I think I'd be really good friends with him. Oh, if this was just a... This were, I can imagine it after the first six months or so. Yeah, I'm sure it was kind of annoying. <laughs> but just to have it happen for a little while be amazing i feel like i want it to i'm too thirsty yeah you what you want the i'm too thirsty for ghosts i've got see i'm too thirsty for aliens yeah, yeah and it's never gonna happen for you you i'm never i'm never gonna i have some the thing is ghost wise i've seen some stuff and i've sensed some things but i don't know with poltergeist activity uh, especially because i don't know I, i'm not feeling having kids so i don't I, and you kind of need that like Puberty energy. Oh, hello. Big loud crush there. I feel like to make to really kickstart a good poltergeist haunting. Yeah, that's how they all seem to start though, isn't it? It's all that teenage... It's all that hormones. It's that angst. Yeah. It's like if a Finch song materialised itself, it's a poltergeist. <laughs> <laughs> that, that could be like a real niche. <laughs> i tell you, when I was fucking 15, I couldn't... Was it letters to you? Whoo! Damn. Back to Oblivion. Their album that they did after they came back was actually pretty good as well. I I did buy that when it on the upon its release. Love me some Finch. So angsty. <laughs> uh, but obviously, before we get into today's story, we have some uh, articles that continued off like how we introed last week with uh, Jack's uh, Tom DeLonge versus Elon Musk talk. Yeah, but keeping on the space side of things, just for a quick second, I recently came across an article, a strange woman walking or levitating on Mars is stalking NASA's Curiosity rover. Now, and there's a picture, and I'm like, um, 100%. Is there a picture or a video? There's a, oh, it says video. Hang on. Holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. There's stills, and... Okay, that's pretty fucking creepy. That's really weird. Is it La Llorona? Like, that's... Fucking, what is that? What is that? It's like, straight the fuck up. What I is that? It's a video, so I'm just loading it. Yeah, up. I'm watching the video now because it's, but it's not a straight video, is it? It's snapshots on the Mars rover. Yeah, it'll be stills. It'll be like time lapses. What is this? What yeah, are those weird like, little things on there as well? Is that a base? By the time this episode comes out, I might actually post some of these pictures. Yes, holy shit, we're going to be putting these photos on. What the hell is that? Crazy. That's well weird. What's this showing that it possibly is? But it, it looks like a person, like 100% looks like a person. It so looks like a woman. It's like your honor. 
like she's been banished to the banished to because well, there's, riv- there's rivers in Mars. Clearly, that looks like something. What the fuck is this? Yeah, but you'll have probably checked these photos out already if you're on if on our Instagram. If you haven't, go check oh, them out. Oh my They're god! Insane. What? I'm I'm actually so taken aback by this. I kind of want to just do the whole episode on this. But that's all I, I want to really watch. Man, I don't fucking content, care. But... I'm so, I'm so... Yeah, it was real cool. This this a good real cool. Power Guy's case, but this is fucking insane. What is that? What they, could they say it is? I have no, I, like, there's no explanation for it. It is what it is. It's a person. It's a woman. That's clearly a weird humanoid thing. Checking out the Curiosity rover. Fuck. That's, that's so cool. I, th- I think we just, sorry, we just gawked at that for two minutes. Yeah, and also Elon Musk uh, believes there's aliens living among us already, which, I mean, yeah. Oh yeah, that, that that's like nothing new from there, him. Yeah, there's like here. a weird. Well, yeah, because there was all that whole alien. I've been like since we did the Betty and Barney Hill. I have been deep in alien stuff. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm worried it, things are gonna take a hold. Like, I was looking into this guy. He's called like Billy Meyer. He's a fucking character, and like, there's, there's we had definitely have to do a thing on him. He's like this guy who calls himself an alien collaborator. He's like this Swiss dude. It's so fucking weird. Honestly, he says he's been I like collaborate with aliens though. But he's been saying he's been in contact, right? So there's, I, I don't know if I talked about the whole last time we talked about the. I don't know if we mentioned it in the Betty Mount Hill the case. The woman who was with one of the Rear Admiral Knowles who was one of the guys with Major Kehoe, him, they were big in the nightcap thing. And he was, it, during the end of the Second World War, he was in contact with this woman who was said to be in psychic, have psychic connection with these aliens called the Pleiadians. Well, they, no, she doesn't actually call them that, but they're basically like good vibe energy. energy. They're like cool energy healer aliens who are like alien hippies. Aliens on acid. They're like alien hippies. They want us to like dismantle all our nuclear weapons and stuff and come be groovy with them. But obviously they're in a, like a big cosmic fight with the Draco reptilians who are like the lizard people who live in the ground and eat people. So they're in like a big cosmic battle, apparently. But this guy, Billy Meyer, he's in, he's in contact with some of these um, Pleiadians, but he calls them like Plagiarians or something like, go pick here, Pikachu-ian. So uh, he does all that. And he uh, it sounds like uh, his story's like, yeah, so I went out to the woods and this priest told me that he could speak to the aliens as well. I was like... Okay, this doesn't sound like a good story, child. <laughs> yeah, but it's 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 fucking weird. It's and it's, yeah, definitely something that we'll have to do a an episode on in the future. But for today, uh, episode, we will be traveling up into Jack's part of the country, not my part. See, this is I actually I wrote down ready for this because you did. Uh, yeah, I was there like when I read it, right I in this. I was, that there, like, I was like, this when Jack says Durham's not near Yorkshire. Uh, but we're actually uh, traveling like two to... hours away. Yeah, but it's West Yorkshire. But also, people are listening to this in America. Like two hours drive, that ain't that's nothing. Yeah, that's true. That's nothing. But it's nothing. Uh, but we're traveling to the town of Pontefract, uh, number thirty East Drive, to be precise, for a uh, very, as we said, a very spooky poltergeist case, which has yet to be debunked. So uh, the subjects of today's case are the occupants of thirty East Drive who are the Pritchard family, and they consist of Jean and Joe Pritchard and their two children, Philip and Diane. And at the time when it first started, Philip was a 15, and I believe Diane was 12? Yes. And uh, yeah, today's uh, main source will be actually a very, very fun book, which is 
Poltergeist, uh, a study in destructive hauntings by Colin Wilson. So it's about more, the whole book itself is about like the phenomena of poltergeist and what poltergeist could possibly be. And it talks about the case of like elementals and things like that, which again, uh, very, very interesting. But I kind of, I read a couple of the chapters of the book, but the main thing I focus on is the chapter on the Black Monk of Pontefract, which is a, a very nice and concisely and well well documented. Oh yeah, it's well, it's there's everyone had a had a seer, well, not a seer, but everyone witnessed something in this little this little community. Yeah, they're like, there's these people, and there's and they're and again like these are hardworking uh, Yorkshire folk, and I feel like well, what what do they? I don't know. It seems silly to be like, why would they lie about this? But it's uh yeah, why would they? Unlike lots of other people, uh, Gene and Joe made like no money on this. Like it's, I think they got a little bit from the sale of the book, but mainly they just kind of wanted. They got when they they just start to see from this, they just wanted answers to why the fuck is this happening? Yeah, which is all you really want. Well, not the people of like again. I'll bring up the Amsterdamville Horror House people. They were like, give me oh, that yeah, money. But, I mean, that's different. So they made a terrible deal like that. I don't even think they got any cut of the movies. Oh, they did not. No, I think they terrible. just got the guy who wrote the book. Because I think because it essentially got proven that it was uh, a false. I think uh, he basically just got it because it was like his story version. Oh, fair enough. But let's set the scene. Uh, so Pontefract is pretty much a nothingness town. It's a historic market town on the edge of West Yorkshire. I'm sure they'd it's love like, you to say that. It's a nothing, it's a nothing kind of town. It's got like a few pubs and that's about it, you know? It's it's a market farming town. I think it was, it, you know, it probably had something to do with the mining back in the day. Apparently the name roughly translates to a broken bridge in Latin. That's what you want. And it, but it does predate Roman times and I think it's gone by a few different names over the years. Uh, the locals apparently call it Ponte Carlo because, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, why, why not? not? Go with the cheese. But yeah, it's been pretty much built on farming and mining throughout its history. As most Yorkshire towns are. Yeah, it's pretty much anywhere up in the north has. So we go back to 1966 on the August bank holiday weekend. Most of the Pritchard family are away on a summer vacation. Philip, however, decided to stay at home as he's at that age where family holidays are pretty lame. I mean, they are at the best of times, but when you're like, how old did you say he was? 15? Yeah, he's 15. Yeah, I mean... I wasn't going on family holidays when I was 15. I was staying at home. Much better things to do. Uh, yeah, my family didn't have any holidays. No, my literally, we, uh, my, I feel like my, we moved abroad and then they were like, well, there's no more holidays now. We live in you're Spain. abroad. Every day is a holiday. It's, yeah. it's just not true though, is it? Not everyone in Spain's treating it. Well, there's a lot of people in Spain treating like every day is a holiday. <laughs> <There's>... <laughs> I mean... This is how bad family holidays were back then. Philip decided to stay at home and he couldn't even go to the Leeds Fest. wasn't even a thing then. Oh, that... so He had no like festival to go to that weekend. What do you think they were doing, the family? I reckon they were like Western Supermare. Oh, yeah. I feel like, like every Western family Supermare. had to go either go to... No, it would be Blackpool, won't it? Blackpool or Scarborough. Sca- oh, it was a beautiful country, is Scarborough. I actually felt quite... I felt quite good with that accent. I felt like that was uh, a respectable go. Um... <laughs> Oh, you found that you found the grand's name. I could not. I read the chapter twice and missed her name both times. So he, Philip stayed at home with his grand, Miss Sarah Scholes, uh, Mrs. Pritchard's mom. She came over to look after him uh, while the rest of the family were away. On the Thursday, the weather was particularly good. 
and Philip was sitting out in the garden. Cheeky tinny. His grand sitting inside knitting. Oh, yeah. He's definitely a cheeky tinny and a fag, and he's... Covered in soot still from the... the uh... <laughs> yeah, he's, of course he's been mining. Of course he has. It's 1966. It goes without saying he's been mining. Grand sitting inside knitting. It all seemed like a fairly normal day, albeit a bit unusually cold for the for how sunny it was in August. Things changed just before midday when a gust of wind rattled the windows and slammed the back door shut. Philip came into the house and asked his... And his grand questioned if he was come back in because the wind was picking up. He answered, "No, it's quite calm." See, that's just you know what? Again, this is how this is how much my fucking comprehension skills must be shit. I've just realised that's the first sign of it. What? They've got the whole wind, the door slamming, and the windows rattling. That's like Have you take just one. That? That's I've only just realised that. I thought this. I thought the next part was the first thing. <laughs> no, that part is that's God. It. How did I pass any form of schooling? Okay, come on. So uh, after he, after making himself a drink, he uh, started noticing that above his grandma's head was a a fine white powder, and like she didn't even seem to be notice it. She was just there knitting, and it's just like covering her and the floor around her. Apparently, it's just this weird like white powdery dust, and it kind of looked like it was snowing. Literally, then F- Philip was like, "Uh, what's happening?" And then she obviously looked up, and then seemed to notice it happened. And it was literally like, so it was flow, falling like mid-ceiling. So it wasn't coming down. So it wasn't like, say like the floorboards upstairs and someone's banging around and there's like dust falling through the stairs. Like the opening scene in Harry, in the Harry Potter movies when Dudley jumps on the stairs and the dust all falls down onto him. I just watched it the other day ago. I mean, the ceiling had been apparently recently repaired as well um, and repapered. Uh, so it can't have really I been the, this, the wind knocking out. Do loose. people paper ceilings? What kind? Is that a thing? What wallpaper in the ceiling? Like paper in the ceiling? Yeah, it's like a textured thing you can put on. Why would you want to put paper on the ceiling though? Surely you just want a nice flat ceiling. I hate it's, speckled I, ceilings. It's that's what it is. Like a speckled ceiling sort of oh, thing. Oh, I hate that. That's, that's, that's the worst. Been. That is so fucking 60s, 70s though. Yeah. Oh, let's 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 go outside and and store and bibble dash to house. Real bring up the gas. That was bad. That was bad at the end. I thought, what if we just brought down market value by putting stones on outside? If we put stones on outside and flex on ceiling, then people will think, eh, I've gone Scottish. I've, put, I'm, I've gone, I've straight away, I've lost it. <laughs> yeah, come back down south a bit. Yeah, it's hard, I can't. Okay, so you were saying. <laughs> fresh, fresh paper. Freshly repapered the ceiling, so it can't have been a gust, the gust of wind can't have knocked lo- loose specks off of that. But what if, I still think at this point, I'm not overly convinced at the moment. Oh, what, do you just literally think, think it's it, dust? I think it's just dust. Dust, like, anyone? And no. You can't dust. see it because the, um, the sun's coming in through the window, so it's blocking everything above her head off is out of sight because it's too bright. No, but apparently the floor, the thing is, it's not just, it's not just landing on her, it's piling up on the floor. Yeah, that's fine. But the reason why you can't see it above her head... Yeah, but Hannah, I'm sorry. You think houses have enough... A normal house in there has enough dust that you can not only visualise it falling in one place, but it starts piling up on the floor. It's the 1960s. Again, I know, and everyone's clearly just flicking... No one mentions how smoky this house probably is. Exactly. You could, you know, smoking indoors was probably fine. Because, yeah, she's got a pipelet. She didn't actually, she doesn't smoke it. She just likes the old smell because Albert used to always smoke a pipe. So she likes the fact it's just burning like an incense burner. 
Philip's fucking flinging the butts directly into the into the fireplace, you know. So I still think it's just dust, and it's just once it's out of the direct sunlight, is that when you can start seeing it again, which is why he doesn't see it above her head. Okay, fair enough. Uh, Miss Scores went over to the road to her daughter's house, uh, like literally generally over the road. It's the north. Pretty much everyone lives on the same street as their parents. I never wonder how that's possible. What, how did they just buy a house over the road from the parents? Yeah, how did you get the house? How is that house always for sale? It wasn't always for sale. Well, it's because someone in their family often lived there, didn't they, beforehand? <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, I want... I just, it's just, there's no... I, again, there's no one in my family I'd like to die so I could inherit in a house. I'd just rather they... But, I mean, maybe if, like, my biological dad just died and then somehow left me a house, I mean, I'd be okay with it. <laughs> I wouldn't be like... Yeah, you're fine. Wait. I wouldn't be shitting on it. Mrs. Scores' other daughter, Maria Kelly, came came over and noted the white powder on the floor everywhere and went to get something cleaned up from the kitchen. See, that's what I mean. She didn't just go in and be like, Mum, this house is fucking filthy. You need to have a word with Jean. She was like, this is weird. <laughs> that is exactly what's happened. It's, she's like, this is strange. Because every she's got because no Mrs so Sarah Scholes as I, I've called everyone by their first names I did so Sarah walks over there she's like covered in she's got all this dust all over her and she doesn't walk Marie's not like dandruff is it mum it's like a head and shoulders ad it's clearly a paranormal level of dust which I don't know how much dust requ- is required for it to make yeah. it paranormally level <laughs> dust. But there's clearly enough that she's got... Imagine how dusty it would have to be that you would have to go over and fetch a member of your family from a separate house. To witness it. And they're coal mining people, Yorkshire. They're not of, They're not scared of dust. They know what dirt looks like. I'm just saying, it, it's paranormal dust. So when Marie came over, they went straight into the kitchen to get somebody to clean this dust up. Uh, however, on the way into the kitchen, Marie's foot slipped on a wet patch of the floor. She first cleaned this bit up and then noticed as soon as she did, another patch would appear elsewhere in the kitchen. They eventually lifted the floor up to see, because they initially assumed it was a leak coming from underneath the floorboards. Uh, they lifted the floor up though and there was no leak anywhere, no sign of any water. It was perfectly dry. All the pools of water were nice, neat outlines, as if poured from, like, very close to the ground out of a cup. Guy Playfair, a paranormal investigator, believes. Okay, Guy, Guy Playfair, sorry, he's a he's a, another character, which we will definitely feature in future episodes, because he's a... He is the guy from the Enfield Poltergeist report, guy who reported and wrote the book, This House is Haunted, which is actually... I feel like that's one of the books that led us into, like, doing this podcast. yeah. I'm like halfway through that. We're talking about that. It's, it's it's a very boring book. <laughs> His whole thing is like, look, this paranormal stuff isn't fun. It's, it has to be done scientifically and boringly. No running around screaming at things. No, we're not gonna Zach Baggins it. We're just we're gonna be we're gonna be thorough and methodical, and it won't be sexy, but it will be dull. That's what we're here for. We're making it sexy. Oh, we're so we're so, so we're sexifying this. Entirely. So Guy Playfair, he believes these to be some form of condensation from the energy used by the poltergeist. But it's bullshit because it's rats. 1960s England, in the middle of the countryside, in a farming and mining town. The only reason why they're just noticing them up is noticing the pools one after the other is because they can't see them properly because it's on, like, a linoleum floor, which is just probably flat light on it. Little water pools are there, and they're just noticing them one at a time. Well, 
Well, Jack, it's not magically appearing. It's, um, uh, I think it's time to get out my bullshit time for my big bullshit call here because you clearly don't know much about rats or mice as you're claiming it to be rodents causing this thing because both creatures are in fact incontinent and walk along whilst peeing. So the pissing question that you claim to be these perfectly concentric I'm going to call them what they are, ghost puds, would be streaks, <laughs> yellow, tarnished streaks all across, not neat, concentric circle, ghost puddle. All right, I'll, I'll concede. Also, yeah, they, uh, there was, they actually would start the, later in the book, they, they had a thought that the energy expelled by this paranormal activity, whether it be like psychokinetic energy, so like produced by our own brains, or an outside force, they feel like that energy in itself is what transforms into water. So essentially that the energy comes out, it kind of fizzles itself out, which then forms steam. The steam then condenses, forming water. All right. Mm. At least that's what I think uh, Colin Wilson was saying in his book. That steam always forms perfectly circular water. Puddles, well, yeah, that's the whole thing, it? because it doesn't actually ever form steam. You don't see the steam... Just the energy is expelled. Once the energy basically goes, ah, energy. And then it goes in the second that it can steams out and it fizzles out, it then surfaces and forms the water. So the water would, you never see the water forming. The water itself, you never see the puddle go, bloop, 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 bloop. The puddle is just there. Like the puddle doesn't get poured. The puddle isn't the thing. The puddle just appears. Because, um, because even though you said the puddles didn't, uh, keep reappearing the puddles uh, did in fact keep reappearing so much that they called out as you said they lifted the thing but they actually called out someone from the waterboard to uh, to rule out a burst pipe causing the issue they even had him come back the next day and check the drains but basically he said after checking and he poked around and he was like uh maybe it's condensation and uh soon after he left the war itself like stopped forming at all. So they basically, Marie went home, everyone got back to what they were doing. And then at around seven o'clock that evening, uh, Philip shouted, Grandma, it's happening again. I imagine something like that. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she, uh, she ran into the kitchen to see the side near the sink was just completely covered in tea leaves and sugar. But again, a lot of English houses I've been into have a side near the kettle covered in both tea and sugar. So it seems to be a norm, but they, uh, they both stood aghast as they uh, watched the tea dispenser uh, go haywire. And uh, I, I'm assuming a tea dispenser holds leaf tea. Like, I'm assuming it doesn't hold liquid tea. Because again, no idea what a tea dispenser is. But so uh, the bu- the button just apparently is like clicking on and off as just tea just keeps flying down and covering the draining board until like there's none left and it just, just keeps going on and off. And then uh, Mrs. Skull screams, hang on, let me, uh, what's for? Okay, okay. Yorkshire. Aye. Oh, st- I can't do it. I can't make. Can you? Let, I want to hear your best Yorkshire woman shouting stuff. It. <clears throat> I can't. I'm not really that good at Yorkshire accent. Come on, just you can feel it though. It's it's close to you. No, I can't. I can't. I can't get into like a Yorkshire. No. Okay. Well, she's good. She's like, oh, stop it. Again, that's just my old lady voice. It's not. It's not. Um. <laughs> that was the. Uh, I feel like that was the witch in one of the episodes. 
<laughs> that was a, a witch from Massachusetts. <laughs> it was the same voice. Uh, but she screams, stop it, to which uh, Philip replies, I can't stop it. It's doing it on Dittorn. I'm getting real offensive now. <laughs> it's like she said, uh, I can't stop it. It's doing it on its own. And... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's, it can't stop because the rats have chewed through the cable, electric cables for it after taking a piss all over the floor. <laughs> and now it's, got, now it's just gone fucking hairwire, spitting everything out. Uh, but after that, after that, she shouted stop it, it stopped it. Then they heard a crash coming from the hallway. So they tentatively opened the door and they saw nothing until they walked into the whole hallway and then the lights turned off, and which caused them both to jump. And then they walked to the foot of the stairs where they noticed that the plant that normally sat on the stit on the hall in the landing was actually on the at the foot of the stairs, but the pot was still there. But it caused like a the, that's what caused the bang. And then another loud noise like came from the kitchen. So then they ran they ran into the kitchen and they saw like the kitchen cupboard is like shaking like real violently. Like, it's a trapped animal inside. And then uh, Philip like goes over there and like wrenches it open. As soon as he pulls it open, the shaking all stops. And then uh, another loud noise you start hearing from like the dividing wall and they start hearing all these like booms. And then that's when realised, uh, so Mrs. Skulls actually realised that she'd heard those noises earlier, but just assumed it was uh, the neighbours next door doing like DIY. Or the rats in the walls. Because again, 1960s England in the middle of a rural town. It's not that rural. Have you seen it? Loud. Have you seen the streets? It's not it's- now. Yeah, but it wasn't then either. It was only the 60s. This isn't 1920. I can't use the rats to explain the plant pot thing, though. Uh, oh, it's just those, uh... I've tried. Yeah, did you I've try and use those? It's coming up with... So uh, she and uh, Philip left again to go grab Marie because they were like, this is fucking crazy. And uh, when uh, Marie came back, she saw more like phenomena happen in the house, including the cabin. It started all shaking. And then uh, Mr. Skulls actually went next door to go talk with, great name, May Mountain. And uh, she said that she'd also heard noises and just assumed it was they were making, the Pritchard household actually making the noises. So at around uh, half nine, uh, Marie left because everything seemed to be normal again. And F- Philip and Mrs. Skulls, a little shaken, decided like they were just going to turn in, go to bed and hope all was like, over and done with. And uh, just as uh, Miss, uh, so Sarah walked into Philip's room to like wish him good night, and uh, she he no- she noticed him like wide eyed staring into the corner, and then she turned around to see like his wardrobe was swaying back and forth like a drunk guy leaving the pub, and then uh, she exclaimed to Philip as soon as she saw that she exclaimed to Philip that to get his coat and they were leaving, which you would you'd just get straight out of there wouldn't you you'd be like nope <laughs> I was there you're like uh, uh I'm done here we're we're done with this so that she uh. They obviously went across the road to uh, Marie and her husband, Vix, to actually try and get some sleep. And although they finally were like over and it was over and done with and they managed to get some rest, like Marie and her husband were like, we definitely can't sleep. We need to get to the bottom of what's going on. So they actually phoned the local police station and soon like three police officers and then made their way into number 30. So after what was deemed to be a methodical search... Uh, they literally, they found no signs of force entry and they left. So basically, <laughs> Vic and Marie were like, oh, sorry, uh, we called you out for the, a ghost thing. And they were like, no worries. It seems really creepy. And then, so they left and they were like, hang on. Why don't we go speak to that guy that you know, Mr. O'Donnell? 
And Mr. O'Donnell has a great credit in the book Poltergeist. He's simply listed as a local man with an interest in ghosts. <laughs> Not a professional, just a... <laughs> so that's it. That's how... It... No, he's just a man with an interest in ghosts. Uh, so basically they turn up at his house and it's like half 12 now at night and they walk to his house and he's got his light on. So uh, they, after they, he, they tell him this is what's the whole story what's been going on. He like immediately is like, hell yeah, this is what I live for. I'm a local man interested in ghosts. So uh, they, they go to uh, number 30. Then uh, he began to explain the, them to the difference in like a ghost haunting and poltergeists. So the whole basic thing, so there's sort of the little theory of there's either residual hauntings, which is like old timey things acting out. And it's kind of that whole thing of like, time isn't real. They're acting out something that happened at that time over and over in itself. You don't interact with them. They don't interact with you. And it's just kind of going around. Then there's like intelligent the, the classic. Yeah. It's like the, the classic walking down the stairs or walking across yeah, the land. Or walk through a wall or because peering the, out of a window. Yeah, they there used to be a wall that there used to be a door there, so they walk straight through the wall, that kind of thing. It's like an energy like I think the best way I don't know if it's my idea or not, but I I can remember saying it and I feel like I heard it somewhere else. And it's like an energy skid mark. Like <laughs> the shit happened. But there's still signs of it happening forevermore. It's like burnt its way onto it. I'm sure you could use a double exposure of a photograph to also work. But I like an energy skid mark. I don't I get it. I could, <laughs> I could have heard that somewhere else. I, I want it to be my own original thought, but I really don't think it is. So uh, then you obviously have uh, what they call like intelligent hauntings, which is ones you can interact with or can interact with you. And these ones often are, like, they assume are what poltergeists are. But poltergeist people are kind of either it's, like, things called elementals, which are kind of like these kind of half-spirit things that are all around us that we can't see. And either they interact with, like, the shell. So when a person dies, it kind of leaves its shell imprint on, on life. And these elementals can interact with that imprint so that's how they know that's when so when you're talking in a seance people think maybe that's what it could be like you're talking you're not actually talking to your dead gran but you're talking to these elementals that are inhabiting what used to be her space so they know the information about her but they are in mm. fact that it's not your gran your gran's no longer there but they're her energy imprint's been left there and these kind of things are hold are hosting it or Possibly it's like a telekinetic expression, psychokinesis that people are using their own brains are making these things happen. Which uh, he basically thought it was the latter. It was like this poltergeist idea. And because he assumed it would be that poltergeists are often attached to teenagers. So it's like, well, it's probably Philip that's making this all happen in. So it seems pretty, they're all going to be wasting their time because Philip's not there. And uh, as he was uh, leaving, he was he noted that poster guys can be quite funny and they often do weird things like destroy photographs. And then literally just a, a little bit later after after Mr. O'Donnell had left and Marie and Vic were literally locking up and going back to go over across the road, they heard a loud crash. When they went into the, I think, the kitchen, they noticed the Pritchard Weddings photo had been like broken down and torn and like 
slashed in half. And this was like the first instance of the presence taking on like learned behavior. So it heard the thing and then... Does this quite often, just like hear something and then goes, ooh, yeah, good idea, and goes off and does it. Yeah, it kind of like, it sort of takes, the energy's there and it's kind of taking on the ideas, which it, it kind of gives it the idea that it almost is like, um, have you heard of a thing called a tulpa? No. No, a tulpa's kind of like an energy ghost. So say a, a lot, an example that people use is like Slenderman. So Slenderman is a completely made up thing. But people, all these people put their thoughts and energy into Slenderman so much so that those two little girls stabbed their friend for Slenderman. So even though Slenderman's not a real entity, in the fact that everyone puts so much energy into it, has it been almost, has it become real now? Because is Slenderman clinging on to those weird images that we have in our brains about these tall, thin, skeletal man, which we have kind of, which is seen in like, the men in black and it's kind of these that we see these weird around alien sightings that happen these weird half human things that keep appearing every time something weird and paranormal happens like it was the same the men in black sort of were also witnessed when mothman was happening so when that before that bridge collapsed they were when all these weird sightings of mothman was being seen suddenly all these also all these weird signs of these energy of these um weird men in black are coming around and they're also thought to be like this one guy who was into ufos he basically told this story about these men in black that came and investigated him. And now that all these people are into UFOs, kind of imagine these men in black, have we sort of tricked this, almost like the simulation and created these things. But I think it's actually from mm. the, I think the Tulpas are actually from like a Buddhist teaching, like monks would throw out meditation techniques and stuff like that. They would conjure up an entity that would clean the monasteries for them supposedly and things like so it's like this so it's almost like so it's kind of like there's there's something there in the space of this house or the energy of these people but the more attention they give it the more it kind of comes out so yeah so uh then the couple of days later the rest of the Pritchard family arrive home and uh Skolzy, as I've referred to her here <laughs> uh, so yeah Mrs uh, Skolzy and Philip uh, describe what's been happening and the parents immediately assume they're exaggerating and, and their response and then almost like at once as they say we like yeah sure that all happened their three loud bangs are heard in the kitchen and suddenly all the windows start rattling and like this cold wind like sweeps through the house but then what everyone does is does a, a real British ignore we all go they all went no, that didn't just happen. Well, that didn't happen. That that didn't happen, and they just don't talk about it anymore. So they just kind of leave it, and they're like, "Well, if, if no, see no evil, hear no evil," kind of thing. And uh, so, uh, so everything kind of goes realistically normal for the next two years until the summer of '68, uh, when Mrs. Scholes brought up the events of the from the previous two summers ago. And uh, at the time that she first brought this up. Jean was just started uh, decorating Diane's room. And uh, she so she went down one day to make a cup of tea. And her mother brought up the fact that she'd heard some weird noises in the hall. Jean said she hadn't heard anything, but she was like, all right, I'll go to the hall. I'll go outside and see what there is. And then she noticed her bed covers were just laying at the floor of the stairs. And she was like, well, kind of weird. Like she grabbed her tea, like took her bed covers upstairs. And then she literally started going decorating again. 
when there was another bang. She goes downstairs and then looks down, and at the foot of the bed, there's a uh, Philip's bed covers now, and like all of the plants have turned upside down, so there's just soil covering all the hallway. And then uh, this is when Mrs. Skull like gasps through tears. I told you. No, that was that was real. That was real. Some that was a choice of accent there. Uh, she was like, "I told you, it's starting again." I'm just going to use my voice. I can't. I I seem to not be able to grasp older Yorkshire. Oh, let me. How how does Claire talk? Uh, she kind of talks. She kind of just sounds the same, actually. But obviously, her voice is just. You've gone more, Scottish again. I've gone Scottish. Oh, I've lost it. Oh, laddie. <laughs> <laughs> So later that night, after Jean had moved the decorated materials out of Diane's room, as Jean laid in bed struggling to sleep, she decided to get up. As she stepped out of her room, she noticed something rustling at the end of the hall and turned, turned the light on. As she did, a paintbrush flew by her face, missing her by millimetres. The pastebook had hit the wall and threw the paste all over the carpet, and at this point, Jean realised what was making the noise. A, a roll of wallpaper stood up, swaying like a hooded cobra, which is like a fucking badass. But how badass is that? Just at the end of the hallway, a fucking roll of fucking wallpaper coiled up like a snake. <laughs> just, and it's like... <laughs> just back and forth. So like, with Jean with bigger balls than me, she like grab, goes to grab the piece of wallpaper and like, as soon as she did it, like it just fell to the ground. But then as soon as like that happened, a carpet sweeper, which is before the Hoover, I'm assuming. When did Hoovers happen? Hoovers were before the 60s. <laughs> Are you looking up the year the Hoover was invented? Yeah. Because obviously there was the horse and cart Hoover in like the steam age. So <laughs> I'm guessing electric Hoover, home Hoovers were a thing. You can't be like, when, but anyway, home Hoovers were, had been about. They just had to have been. But uh, so the carpet sweeper then like swung up in the air and was started like swinging at her. And like he described it, it was described in the book, it was like a giant was just swinging the thing. So she was like, immediately she hit the to hit the ground and she like retreated to her room by like crawling on her belly. And as soon as she closed the door, like the carpet sweeper hit, hit the door and literally she closed it. Now the whole family's awake and then like they put the kids pour out into the hallway and there's just like paintbrushes and whatnot just flinging around the room. Like that scene in Poltergeist, you know, when the whole room is spinning. <laughs> yeah. So like all the all the stuff's just flying around the hallway, and then uh suddenly like something flies around, and then she smacks Diane in the in the face, and it seemed like it really like was whipped across the room, but then they uh realized it didn't hurt her, so they noticed like even though it was being like thrown, it said like when it got to her like it was like a kind of a no force like it stopped and just kind of tapped into her, even though mm. it appeared to be like really thrown really hard. Then they saw the windowsill from her room gets wrenched out. And apparently it was like held into the wall with like good two inch long screws. And it gets ripped out and then they just thrown out the window. And they just hear like the ding in my mind. There's like a ding a ling a ling as the wood like it hits the floor and there's the little bouncing thing. And then they just slam the door closed. And then they're like, nope, no one's going in in the in that room. And uh, like Dan literally went to reach for the door and they were like, absolutely not. Don't open it. And uh, she slept, Diane then slept in with her parents that night. And then uh, from that night on, they ha had their own like resident poltergeist. And it was uh, less than an evil presence. It was more just then like an obnoxiously annoying one. 
And uh, after a while, because they named it Mr. Nobody for a little while, but then they came up with the name Fred. And uh, Fred, he would be mostly like quiet throughout the day. But as soon as people were trying to be going to sleep, there would be like loud bangs would come from the house. There would be like ornaments would fly around. The lights would continuously trip because like that's the thing. Poltergeist operate the electric, the electric field around them seem to like that's how they manipulate energy and move things around. It seems to be so like they even said that it's, they noticed that their electricity bill went down by half, which I read when I was so jealous. They were like, it was 10 pounds a quarter. Or is that like, oh, imagine only having to pay a tenner every three months for electricity. £40 for the whole year. Perfect. But uh, yeah, so they were even like tried to one day try and tape up the like the fuse with isolation tape, but the tape would just vanish every time they tried to do it. They locked the um, fuse cupboard door as well at one point to prove a point. Like, yeah, they're yeah, like, look, no one's getting no in No one was here. touching it and it still went off. Yeah, it's, it's so strange. And uh, so they thought, I think it was actually uh, Philip who came out with the idea. They thought they should try and get a exorcism, might get Fred to like move on. So they uh, contacted a local vicar called uh, Mr. Davey and, uh, to come have a look. But uh, he was informed that he wouldn't be able to do anything without the permission of the local bishop. And of course, um, as soon as he got to the house, nothing happened. He was there for a good while and there was literally nothing happened at all. And just as apparently Gene uh, was like, I'm really sorry, we wasted your time and nothing came out, happened. Suddenly there was a loud bang and a candlestick fell off the mantle. And uh, after he witnessed that, he claimed that he uh, knew what their problem was and it was subsidence. And if you don't know, subsidence is when your foundations are kind of fucked and your house just falls in. Yeah. So he, it does happen a lot in like uh, mining towns and it's villages. Peat. I'm assuming it's, it's the ground's all peat, isn't it? I know that's what I know about the the north has peat. Uh, I can't put house there, peat. They say in all the many documentaries I've seen about the north. Oh, I'm really, I really hope my uh, like Claire, who's my cousin's partner, she's from Yorkshire, and uh, I hope <laughs> she just doesn't hear this ever. <laughs> And uh, so after after following the claim, a second candlestick literally apparently just lifted up off the... So he was like, ah, subsidence. That's your problem, kid. And then suddenly, like, the next candlestick's like... Whoop, and then just, like, floats past his face. Which then I can imagine Jean was very smug when she was like, I don't think subsidence can do that. Do you? And uh, following... Following that, a very loud bang happened from the other room. And they, when they ran into the kitchen, every single one piece of the Pritchard's family china was laying across the floor, but none of it was broken. And uh, this was enough to convince the vicar, who uh, after that said they had a, something evil in the house and they should move. Which I like is like, nope, you gots to go. Yeah, you, you're done. And uh, so Gene was like, fuck that. I ain't moving because of some poxy ass ghost. But uh, so later that night, after the vicar had deemed the house evil, Fred uh, decided to show just how powerful it was. And uh, just as Diane was uh, about to go to bed, the lights went off once again in the hallway. And uh, so 
Joe was looking for a torch because by this stage they had torches everywhere. They were like, well, we'll just put torches everywhere. But then the torches disappeared or the batteries went from the torch or when they they literally like taped up all the ends of the torch, they were like, there's no way these thick batteries can go. And either the batteries would disappear, the tape would still be on, or the bulbs would disappear. And then they would find them all in like random places afterwards. So it was almost pointless trying to keep anything handy because if as soon as you kept it handy, it just got rid of it. So uh, he was there. Joe's running now looking to try and find a torch when uh, Diane noticed a large black shadow in the partially lit hallway and an icy chill took over the, like, the whole room. She stood and stared uh, at for a moment before an oak hall stand floated towards her. She tripped as she basically walked backwards. She saw something coming. She was like, oh, fuck this. And then she fell onto the stairs and then the whole thing put itself up above her and then like the sewing table came on and then the lamp and everything just kind of placed itself all on top of her but it wasn't like squashing it wasn't like squashing her it was just there like everything was above her making sure she couldn't move but was just firmly like being held there and then even like Jean and philip like tried and they were trying to pull everything off and they literally like couldn't do anything when they tried to literally literally they dragged then the mum came down they tried to drag her out but it still nothing happened uh no matter what they did, they literally loads of them. And then she she was saying like she felt she was being there was a force holding the table, and like they just couldn't move it. And then uh, she could sense that it didn't the thing didn't want to harm her. It just was seemed to be like really fucking with her. And then the mum was like, just try and relax. And then literally, she, then she managed to get out. Uh, for the rest of the night, it was just went back to its classic. The it would pull so like they, as soon as they would be asleep, they would be waking up. The sheets would be all pulled off them every time and then it would literally it would go from almost room from room to room so it would go it would do diane's it would pull off the sheets and then it would pull off philip sheets and then it would pull Diane. and then what it would often do to diane it would uh she'd wake up so she wouldn't be awake for the time but she would be on the floor and the mattress would be on top of her but not like she'd flipped off and the mattress had flipped off with her like she the she was there underneath and the mattress made and stuff was completely on top of her and like she kept waking up like that. That, that. that was kind of his textbook thing, though. To like for pretty much the whole, that was his fun in games, Freds. Yeah, he loved it. There's nothing more. To... Which again, just the creepy thing of the of the poltergeist is all those. It's always about young girls in their beds. It was his go-to prank. Let's throw everyone out of bed. <laughs> Great laugh. I just love the idea of it doing it one by one. So everyone's just getting gradually more and more pissed off with one another. A few reporters ended up coming to the house in. September 1968 as well to report on everything that was going on because it was quite, I think it was quite quite big news locally. That's the thing because again these the noises were so big next the houses they were, next door could hear not what even was the houses next door the next street could hear it and that's what I was saying about the electric thing apparently the whole house was glowing like people would walk up to the house and the house would stand out in the street because there would just be this because it's kind of like it's just a standard like former council house. There's nothing special about the house in any way. It's just this bog standard English house. And it literally, because they do all the tours in it, because the guy, the current owners now have it. And they you can go and stay there and do people do paranormal activity, paranormal investigations and stuff there. But it's such a bog standard. It just looks like your nan's house. Oh, yeah. But they had like they had students coming up asking if they could stay in the garden. Yeah, how pissed off would you be like, no, fuck off. Like, 
yeah, these report these newspaper reporters like really caused a lot of shit for this this house and this family. Basically, just getting everyone and the nans to turn up to go and just to sit out and watch the house. Yeah, because they literally after they tried to sleep in the garden, everyone was like, "No, absolutely no way! You're trying to sleep in our garden." So they literally all slept in the verge that was just opposite the house, just watching that. And apparently, all night that they could just hear the bangs. They said it sounded like a like I feel like the term they used was like a demented child banging a drum. Because again, the book was written in the 80s. <laughs> so after all this had started kicking off, uh, another local enthusiast. Oh, lo- I love a local character. Mrs. Holden, the, cur- the local psychic for the village. <laughs> or town even. Their descriptions uh, of their meeting, and- it was like at the shops. <laughs> She's like, oh, I'm psychic. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, her name was uh, Renee Holden. She got got wind of what was going on and wanted to check it out for herself. So after a quick uh, brief encounter at the shops, Jean agreed for her to come round and see what was going on. It did, it did give Jean someone to talk to about everything, though, at least. Yeah, because she was probably freaking the fuck out. On her first visit, she witnessed the bedrooms being turned inside out by Fred, his usual sort of prank. And she then visited the house quite often over the next nine months and witnessed quite a lot of the going, goings on and what was going, what was happening. Uh, but one particular evening, Jean was off in the kitchen making chicken sandwiches for everyone. And after a brief flicker, flicker of lights, and this time strangely, strangely, Fred put the lights back on for once. It was normally the family that had to go and flip the switch and get all the lights back working again. They took the sandwiches through at the living room, but before they could even start eating them, the lights went off. Everything was flipped upside down and thrown around the living room. The sandwich plate was then placed back onto the table that it was put onto, but with no sandwiches. They searched the room while they were tidying everything up and found a load of the sandwiches behind the TV, with one having had, like, a huge, they said, like, gigantic teeth marks taken out of it. Which, if you're going back with your rat theory, makes it even scarier, because it's like a splinter size rat. Yeah. We're talking Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Yeah. Size rat. Yeah, yeah. It's a ginormous rat that knows Kung Fu, which I think scarier than a poltergeist. If a six foot if a six foot three rat appeared in my kitchen, I think that would be I think that's probably the scariest thing that you could actually ever witness. You would leave the house at that point though, wouldn't you? You'd just go. It's the rat's house then. Oh immediately. Oh, he owns the property. Even this rented property, I'd have to phone up my landlord and be like, by the way, you've got a new tenant. Master Splinter, yeah, he's a, he's a t- tall gentleman, about 6'3", very good at Kung Fu. Very, very good. Um, Has a th- four illegitimate uh, turtle sons and, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a rat. Uh, so after seeing all this, Renee decided that she wanted to keep the sandwich. Obviously, that's she's a local psychic. of her visit. <laughs> um. So she wrapped the sandwich up and threw it in a bag and then was... How well do you think she stored it? Not very. Do you think scientific conditions, she put it in the freezer, make sure to preserve it? Well, no, she put it in a bag and when she went to get it out later, it was all crumbs. And she, they put that down as part of the, you know, part of the... It was pretty weird. If it was literally only just crumbs, but I mean, like, if it was dust, like even the ham or the chicken inside, that chicken shouldn't be crumbs, should it? Depends how it was cut. True, it's it's a Yorkshire, it's boiled, isn't it? It's Yorkshire in 60, 68 or 69, it's boiled chicken, it's just boiled chicken. It's just going to crumble everything. 
All right. Okay. I'll give you that one is not much. But uh, one of the things that I was storing down. So the so the Fred showed a thing that I cannot remember the term, and it's a thing that is hardly ever experiences in the very few parts of hauntings that have it is where basically matter can be transmorphed from one location to another. So this happened, there was like the spider there. So basically, Fred would start taking things from one place and it, things would appear like pennies and shit would fall down and random stuff would happen. But an eggs... So once, so at this stage, I think there was... Jean was trying to basically prove that this was happening and she sat on a box of eggs... To be like, look, she had these things of eggs. She sat on this box to prove there was no way that she could be getting these eggs out. And suddenly these eggs were like appearing out of thin air and like cracking. And there was like 12. And then when she was like, when she went and opened the box, they would all take completely emptied from the box. So it's like, it was doing all these weird shit. It was like literally making things, like literally teleporting things from one place to another, but in front of people's eyes. It was. I think it was something that happened in front of Renee as well. I think it was before the sandwich experience. But as always in these kind of experiences with hauntings. Yeah. So Joe Pritchard's sister now wanted in and wanted to see what see for herself what was going on after being incredibly skeptical and assuming it was just the kids. Philip and Diane were just pulling off some absolutely top class practical jokes and enjoying the undignified <laughs> that fooled like everyone. Yeah. Enjoying the undignified publicity around the whole thing. So she turned up and as they sat in the kitchen, the room took the now familiar cold chill that Fred brought with him. Aunt Maud was sitting next to the kitchen fire and the lights went out. However, the fire left enough glow on to see what was happening. The fridge door swung open and a jug of milk floated out to across the room towards her. How perfect is this? Just glow. It sat above Aunt Maud's head and then slowly poured out all over it. Oh, and she jumped to her feet and then Im- immediately blamed the kids straight away. Yeah, she's got to be like, Philip, where are you? By this point, Jean had managed to get the lights back on and defended the kids as they'd been with her the whole time. She was convinced to stay the night by Jean to prove a point that it wasn't the kids. They moved into the living room and while collecting her things from the kitchen, they noticed that one of her gloves was missing, but thought nothing of it. And Jean just said, oh, don't worry, they'll turn up in the end. Everything always does. As they, I think Jean at that point knew exactly where they were. Yeah, she's like, Fred's got them. Why why are we even questioning this? We know Fred's got the gloves. As they took the seats in the living room, the lights went out again and violet banging started and when the lights returned on, the chairs were upside down and the electric fire had been pulled out of the fireplace. Okay, okay pretty fucking scary, this one. Yeah. So the the rest of the evening went on as planned. Nothing particularly untoward about it after this until they all decided to go to bed and catch an early night. There'd been some shifting around in the bedrooms so that everyone could have a bed. Jean and Aunt Maud stayed in the same room together. And after they both started to fall asleep, four of the bulbs used in the uh, electric fire now appeared in the bedroom. Two glowing at the top of the door and two glowing at the bottom of the door. And then all of a sudden, two hands appeared, um, wrapping around the door, about six foot apart from each other. Scary. Remember the big bite? Yeah. That's how big this thing is. And then they noticed they were both wearing Aunt Maud's gloves that had previously been missing. Which apparently were like fur gloves. So they're like fluffy monster hands are literally like peering around the door. They briefly disappeared before then reappearing to which Aunt Maud started No, no, no. Onward- what's, what's even better than this? Uh, one of them, no, basically one of them disappeared and the other one was doing the 
come, come. So it was literally like it lured them out into where they the other where the other glove. Then they saw like both gloves. So that well, yeah, when they saw both gloves again, Maud started singing uh, "Onward, Christian Soldier" because she was huge evangelical Christian. Uh, to which Fred decided to kindly conduct her and to make sure she was staying in time while singing. Which is such a good image. Just the gloves there apparently were like clapping along in time as well. It was like intermittently conducting and clapping her along, which is the best. She left the next morning claiming the house to have the devil in it. The gloves were then later found by Jean, except when she returned them to Aunt Maud, she burnt them in the garden. <laughs> I, lo- I love the idea of being like that. No, just... <laughs> just get no, rid of them don't want them absolutely not having them whatsoever but uh, Fred also <laughs> liked apparently to uh, cover the door handles in jam <laughs> which is TP, incredible TP the door handles and the doors and everything inside the house and I've got, like honestly he would have been the perfect flatmate for me in first year of uni oh, that is perfect we'd have gotten, gotten away with some unbelievable shit Imagine My if pranks and stuff yeah. were good but they would have been next if, you, if your counter if your partner cannot be seen just smearing everything in jam. I love the idea of the jam smearing. So it's like after. So we've had our fun now. He's been he's been praying around. He's been there's jam again. There's reporters happening. There's people, loads of people, and then this is local press that people all know about this actual pole guy's house. And Vic Marie's husband, he's actually very Catholic. So they were like, well, we've tried the vicar. Why don't I go and get a priest? And the priest said the same thing. He's like, yeah, sure. We can't do the thing because the bishop's like, all these exorcisms you're doing. People have mental illnesses. You can't chain people down. Stop raping the boys. You know, the, the, so the priest has got all that I stuff I don't feel to like they with. said that last bit. Yeah, again, they, they probably did to him at one stage. They definitely, priests have definitely been sat down at one stage and be like, look, guys, we know. We know there's more of a higher level of paedophilia in these because it attracts people who are paedophiles into the into these because they know they have power over children. But you got to stop fucking these boys so publicly. There's no way that memo hasn't been sent out at least once. So uh, so Vic goes, he's like gets this good old Catholic boy there. He's like, you know what? I can't do it because the thing is, but like if I properly instruct you. A bit of po- give you a bit of holy water. You go around, do you think that will probably work just as good? And then he, so he turns up to the Pritchards and he's like, "I've spoke to this priest. Don't worry, he's not been fucking any boys." He said that for me first, which I thought was weird personally to open with that, but that's how we <laughs> open the conversation. And uh, I guess you just have to nowadays. And he told me if I sprinkle this bit of magic water, all will be good. And everyone was like, "I mean, you can kind of go ahead, but..." We it's probably not gonna, but you you do you you do you, Vic. So Vic goes around. He probably says some prayers, like he, he flicks his water around, and then he's like, "Well, I think that's worked." And then they're like, "Well, how long till we know?" And he's like, "I don't know. I didn't ask." And then he goes, he probably goes home. He like whistling, doing a little step. He's like, well, "This is gone great." Then. Then following that, there's a cross. Again, they're not uber religious. They're religious enough people. But Fred has not taken any interest in the religion side of it, really. And he's pretty much just ignored But that. as soon as this... Yeah, he just doesn't care. There's because a crucifix. There's a couple of crucifixes. There's a Bible passage. There's, there's, there's a few bits of things. But after the holy water got sprinkled in, again, 
he's gone he's like he's like a a whiskey barrel that slowly throughout each time that you use it enriches the whiskey more with that he too imbibes whatever you put in it so at this then one of the crosses is does the cross turn over then fling at is it at Jean or is it at Diane the cross attacks Diane so yeah, one of the cro- the cross on that's their their cross that each family used to have. I think families for ages had crosses on their walls. I'm assuming yours weren't a cross family. No, mine weren't. No, I, we're not a cross family. But again, the people like people in England just have a cross on the walls. I'm sure they do in other houses households as well. So the cross flies off the wall and like sticks to Diane's back, and she can't get it off, and it kind of just floats there until I think one of them has to rip it off her eventually. And they're like, well, that's kind of a crazy, that's real crazy. And then everyone goes to bed. And then Jean wakes up and comes downstairs to see all of the doors in the house have been painted with an upside down cross, which again, badass. (laughs) So, and she like notices like, oh, this actually looks like some paint that Philip has because Philip was going to spray paint a bike gold. So then she goes there and she's like, well, what this one this one feels like it could be someone one of the kids so she tries to do it and no matter how many times she tries to do it she uses stencil she tries just freehand it always leaves these runs because she's painting it on the door so it seems like the only way that would have been able to happen if someone took the doors off laid them down flat sprayed them then let it dry then put them back up which obviously is an unfeasible task to do really yeah the kids aren't going to do that yeah so they're all kind of Free. everyone's now at this stage it's kind of everything seems to be escalating because everyone's it seems to be now they're kind of tired of it and they're kind of done and it's no longer because sure then they're uncomfortable with what's happening they're kind of annoyed but they're not scared but now that it's essentially it seems to start learning that people are almost expecting it to be an evil force so it seems to be kind of ramping up into being that. Yeah, if they'd have just left it, it probably wouldn't have... It would have stayed for a while. But It probably would have just... Yeah, because by this sort of stage now, there's... um. Because does the stairs thing happen pre or post the goat, the Black Monk? Post the Black Monk. So at this stage of it now... The Horton's ramping up. Not only is there bangs continuously, the house is glowing. Neighbours are hearing things. People from different streets are hearing things from happening. The, uh, it's literally now not only just doing bangs and whistles and cracks and smashes, but it started imitating animals. So there's like barnyard animal noises and there's cats, there's dogs, and they're coming from different parts of the house continuously. There's all these knocks are happening everywhere. There's cracks start forming like it all throughout the house and ceiling from where these bangs are coming in. And it's literally starting to ruin the actual foundations of the house where just so much energy is essentially shaking through this house. And it was actually the neighbour, Mrs May, who, uh, again, she's here and again, because of her wall that connects the house, is just like continuously fucking shaking. And she's just kind of like, yeah, whatever, this is kind of just happens now. And she said she was the first one to see the figure of a... So it was a full-body apparition, which was the first, and it was a kind of cloaked, dark figure. And I think she saw it for a few seconds, and it kind of... I don't think... I think it just, like, walked down the hallway and kind of just disappears, which is... Now, this is where it gets its name of the 
black monk is because it's big quotation marks supposedly because this figure was also seen by diane and she saw it like out of the corner of her eye and i think it did the one when she saw it i feel like it did something weird and creepy it's like almost like just the little turn and shh kind of thing you know mm. uh, yeah <laughs> me just yeah, the, the look over the shoulder naked baby thing you know so the reason behind this it's not this this isn't the reason so the reason they give to why why a monk well the celastic monks were in have been in pontefract because there used to be an old abbey there and the abbey was obviously burnt down when henry was his face was like i really can't be dealing with this bitch so let's have a well we new religion yo and uh they killed all the they killed all the monks and they burnt down the the the, the monasteries but apparently there wasn't but apparently according to legend this never happened there was a so according to legend there was a monk who was a murderer and rapist and he uh strangled and raped this little girl and he got found out about it and so they hung they hung him then after he was hung and the the, the gallows apparently looked down where this building was then for some reason after he hung and they're like yeah we've killed the bastard they threw him into a well which is supposedly under 30 east drive which there is a hole kind of like the ring kind of like the ring but there is a and there is some things they've done like the scan things underneath and there is a whole thing there and they uh but basically they were like well there's no way anyone would have tarnished their drinking supply <laughs> they just wouldn't have done yeah, it that would be dumb that would be real dumb and uh but also one of the weird stories is apparently it wasn't the actual monk didn't get hung it was the monk's brother was the one who got hung or the monk's brother was the one who committed the crime but the monk took the blame for it there's that weird yes. story i think was it that yeah it's that way around i think the monk yeah it's one of the one of the two the brother killed the girl but the monk was took the blame which is stupid because yeah. your brother's a murderer Real weird moralistic stance. We're like, well, I'll kill him. And then he can go out and uh, rape and murder other girls. So, uh, but also one of the things like the, there was this guy, like, I think it was like James of Lancaster was like, and was beheaded in the, at Pont, in Pontefract because he was like resisting another king. So they're like, maybe this is just a stupid haunted area. And because of the stream that flows under the house, it's kind of like a ley line drawing power from this rick. Because there's all these old haunted ruins, which like all the druids and stuff draw power from. They think maybe that's basically it's the whole, this family are the kids are at least open to something, and because of the river running under, basically carrying all this psychic energy throughout the house, throughout where they were, they kind of just piggybacked onto it at certain times when the energy was real high is possibly or again it's elemental spirits yeah, they just amplified it yeah they, they they kind of worked as a channel with because they've got a, a serious like fm signal going underneath them and they've got mercury in their teeth and they sometimes pick it up like when old school dental people used to pick up shortwave radio on their teeth which i don't think happens anymore i suppose a better description is like when you haven't got a grounded pickup and you pick up the radio on a guitar yeah which is always so creepy 
when that happens. <laughs> Even though we- you know it's just Radio 2, but it's still so terrifying. Because it doesn't sound like Radio 2. I know, but it's just like... <laughs> because it's coming through a distorted, delayed guitar ramp often. Because the guitarist has got all your yeah, all the effects are on, and it's like, and it sounds like fucking that scene in Signs where it's all the clicks, <laughs> like coming from the baby monitor. They're, everyone's freaking out because they're seeing this weird ghostly thing, until basically a family friend appears, and he's like, "Have you tried garlic?" And they're like, "What?" And they're like, "Yeah." The Celts and other people use garlic for, for evil spirits and stuff. And obviously vampires. So apparently they just grabbed a load of garlic, which I don't know why there's no garlic in the house. I'd assume everyone's always been cooking with garlic. I just assumed everyone always had garlic in their house. But apparently they just covered their house in garlic and that was it. They reported no actual issues until I think they... uh. Sold the property. I don't know if they died or sold the property. Um, but, uh, there was one before the garlic incident. There was one one case where uh, Diane was dragged up the stairs by the. Black oh one. shit! Yeah, I forgot. I completely forgot that part of the story. I think that was the last. That was just the last thing. Got the garlic. Yeah. yeah they, they, um, so yeah, this was pretty much the climax of the whole thing. So they'd they'd all seen Fred dressed as the monk at this point. Diane had gone to make gone to the kitchen to make a cup of coffee when the lights went out and while Jean was trying to grab for the torch she heard Diane scream it was not particularly late in the night probably like mid-evening but this essentially this is the first instance of everyone being scared oh yeah I think at this point this is where I stopped being a joke there was kind of enough light to see what was going on and when they got to the stairs, they found that Diane was being dragged up the stairs by a cardigan and a neck. Which is a horrible way to be dragged up a set of stairs. Uh, they rushed to the stairs to try and pull Diane down again, but she was yelling with terror. They all went tumbling back down the stairs uh, with Diane eventually when Fred decided to give up. <laughs> no backsies! <laughs> and then, um, yeah, that was the end of it, really. They gave Diane a a large brandy that night. A large, I love that. Yeah, it's my favourite thing. Like, she had a large glass of brandy in before she could go to bed. And I was like, it's just, just a 14-year-old girl shaking, drinking a big goblet of brandy. Her neck had like red finger marks around it from where she'd been gripped. Which is very creepy. Very, very creepy. Which would, again, I can see... And there was huge, you know, the, the um, water footprints were back, but they were huge this time. That's what I mean. That was a lot of energy to physically leave a mark on someone else. Because, of course, there's all the transporting of things. That's that's a lot of energy used. But to actually physically, not just interact, but actually mark a physical presence, that must have been such a large amount of energy. Mm. So I wonder if it was he'd used his whole energy up doing that or whether it was the garlic. What? Oh, what you think was just spent? Yeah, so he like, just spent oh! It was like a cosmic... Cosmic cum as it's as he dragged his foot as the <laughs> yeah, girl up just, the stairs and it was like yes used all the ectoplasm he had left and then well it's the thing I was like is it that is it the fact that Diane now was because this has been happening for ages this has been going on for I think a whole extra year so it was the, the first year it happened it was a short little blip and then when it came back it was like over a full year or so so it was well documented like this whole time it happened because I think. 
they I don't think they contacted Renee till after a couple of months afterwards, and she was going around for like nine months after. So I think it was at least a year of things. So it's possibly that her psychokinetic energy was maybe that she used that all up with that last thing because is it her interacting with the environment did the fact that they brought this garlic in they knew that garlic worked so maybe that's that whole thing of like if they believe that garlic worked so it worked yeah but then surely the exorcism would have worked as well well no because they were very humanar about the exorcisms especially the second one. one the first one again but the first one they didn't really have an exorcism there was no actual exorcism. They just basically were like, what about an exorcism? And the guy was like, this is fucking crazy. I'm out of here. You should be too. So they never actually got an ex, and it never got excised. They basically just said, this is fucking crazy. That's all he came and did. He essentially came in, poked the bear. Like, it was like almost like he grabbed a hornet's nest, shaked it, threw it in and was like, there's hornets. <laughs> get out. Yeah, I'd get out of there. That house is full of bees. Like, it's like, yes, you put the bees in here. There was, it was, no, there was just flies before you got here. Now there are bees. It was jam and toilet paper. And now look what you've done. It was jam and toilet paper. Now it's almost death. Because, yeah, like anti-religious um, imagery and dragging people up the stairs is a big step up from jammy handles, which I love the idea of just jamming handles. Like, honestly, I almost want to go do it from the place I live now. But I'd have to jam my own handle, and there's no there's no handles on the doors on the outside, so I'd have to jam my own interior door handles. I'll just do it next time I'm down, and then you can have the, the fun. I'd be like, oh, Jack jammed me. This was also turned into a, a film. I can't. I feel like the person who made the film or wrote the script is slightly related to the couple. Uh, I'm not really sure. I think possibly to someone because. I listened to an interview on Coast to Coast uh, by the director and they just keep calling this guy an ad man. He's like, I'm an ad man. And he says it 15 times during this interview. Like, he is the guy from fucking Mad Men. Like, he's Don Draper. The way he just keeps stating he's an ad man. I'm like, you're clearly a producer. You're financing this film. You're a producer now. Stop saying you're an ad man. But that yeah, they made this film which I have not seen, which looked suspect from the trailer. But I was willing to look past it to be a cool. I thought it was gonna be like a cool indie horror film. Like, have you seen uh, Let the Right One In, the actual version? No, I don't think I have. I don't think I've seen either version. Of that. Oh, I mean, don't even bother with the American version. There's a, I think it's Swedish. It's very, 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 very good horror film. Uh, it's very um, but again, the camera is kind of poorly lit, and which it kind of made me think of that film because they both the films seem to be lit in the same way, which is kind of like you had the cameras there, but you were like, well, we've got camera guys and sound guys, yeah, that's what we need, and they're like, no, lighting's really important. <laughs> but everyone <laughs> sort of goes, camera, sound, video, audio, that's it, yeah, and they go, no makeup. They never seem to have makeup departments or lighting departments. Which, I just get these films a lighting department. But this one, it was all shot very nice. That's what I mean. It was like, they shoot them fine, it, but they're all, always lit poorly. Which makes it look like it's not, shot poorly. This one wasn't oh, is it shot poorly. 
it wasn't lip pooly. It was all very nice. It was like a B- if BBC tried to do a horror film on a on this case without really looking at it and ha- hired the worst actors they could find. Ah, now that will do it. <laughs> but so I'd, I'd advise don't watch it, but read this book. Uh, yes, definitely read Poltergeist. Uh, was it called like a destru- uh, destructive haunting? Ah, oh, fucking hell! I wrote it down right at the start. The book that we use, it's. Yeah, Poltergeist, A Study in Destructive Hauntings. So that's kind of the end of the Pritchard's history with with East 30 yeah, Drive. Yeah, I was saying, East 30 Drive is available for viewings, apparently, if you want to check that out it's, online. Yeah, it's, uh, I've gone, uh, yeah, it's owned by the ad man from the, uh, and I, I don't know why we shitted on this so much, because uh, I would quite like to stay in that house. I would as well. Yeah, yeah it's very cool. There's, I had, And I lost myself to uh, hours, and I mean hours of YouTube paranormal investigators, because there's a lot of them that go there, because you can just go, I think it's fairly cheap, and he's literally like, yeah, cover all my council tax and the bills and stuff for people staying there, and that's kind of it. Nice. Yeah. But yeah, that's uh, the Black Monk of Pontefract. Uh Again, I don't think there's any monks actually there because, oh, one thing that we forgot to mention, the black monk possibly materialised after the neighbour got a book about the history of the area where she read about this monk that was supposedly killed. So it's possibly, again, she started talking about like, oh, this thing happened. And then suddenly it was like, oh, did it? Little wink. And it's suddenly like putting on its like monk it's ordering like the monk outfit from ghost amazon <laughs> it's like spectral forms it's like perfect this they're gonna fucking love this one because <laughs> that's it fred's just out for a good time in the hall of this so until the very end yeah fred till the end because again and i feel like and guess so what it comes down to again the catholics ruined this one yeah if it hadn't have been for Vic and his bloody holy water, this would have carried on being... And again, I think it was detrimental to the families. I think they were having a very annoying time with it. Oh, definitely. But yeah, uh, so I think that is it. Yeah, that's it. I think that one. pretty much wraps us up for uh, this one. So uh, we will... Uh, what with the next one? Again, I still don't think I'm going to be ready. I feel like we're going to have to get another episode. No, I'm going to... I think, yeah, another episode, maybe even two episodes in yes, before the nap, that one. Because we are, I'm, I'm not a spoiler. I think because of the whole thing that's been going on at the moment with the whole protest and into racial inequality, we I started looking. I was like, actually, we're trying to want to do a case that kind of highlights this more. So we actually started to look into the uh, assassination of Fred Hampton, which if you don't know, Fred Hampton is probably now, I think, one of the greatest people of all time. From my research into what I'm doing, I'm like, so he was killed by the Chicago Police Department at the very young age of 21. But he was such a f- important part of the Black Panther movement in, as well as he was like the he built something called like the Rainbow Coalition, which brought together all these different other Black Empower movements, and as well as Latino and other ones groups to basically fund low income housing, and he did. And he was this such amazing source of change and was killed by the FBI, essentially. Because <laughs> he was starting to, I don't know, the, the the wheels of progress, he was kind of kicking them into action before they were like, enough of that. So, yeah, that that probably will be like a, 
a two, at least a two-parter, I assume, when we get, get into that. But we will obviously be back next week with, uh, I'm not even sure yet. Jack, it's, I think it's Jack's turn. Jack hasn't picked in a while, so it's... I'll come up with something in the next day to get research. It's just going to be like something that we... Yeah, noise. Uh, so again, everyone, if you're uh, out, if you're out like protesting and stuff, obviously more power to you. Please uh, s- support and carry on donating at, is it Act Blue, which is the one that shares throughout all the bail funds. And uh, again, there's, there's still every- <laughs> COVID still be out there. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, wear masks still. I don't know. It's... Stay uh, safe. Stay yeah, alert. stay safe. We're, we're in the apocalypse. Everyone uh, remember that and kind of deal with it. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, uh, anything you can uh, follow us on Instagram at uh, 109 Ocean Avenue, or you can reach us personally. I am at Stay T. And I'm at Jack Blank. And uh, for anything else, yeah, you can email us at 109 Ocean Avenue at gmail.com. I don't know, for any, anything you want to. Maybe you've got a story idea. Maybe you want to tell a story. Maybe you just want to show us some pictures of a nice dog. <laughs> That'd be cool. I'm, ha- I'm happy with all, all of the above. Uh, so, uh, yeah, uh, we'll speak to you soon, guys. And uh, peace. Cheers.